Welcome to Saints and Sisters, a conversational podcast between sisters about faith, moral compass, and the role that God plays in our lives. Follow along as we explore these themes through discussions of books and literature, scripture, and using the current headlines as guideposts. For today's episode, we watched session five of Alteration from Ascension Press, The Whys Behind the What's, and we attended two mass services virtually for right now. Well, full disclosure, I only <laughs> I only um, did mine. Um, I did not watch the Walla Walla one. That's okay. I just Doesn't don't want to lie about mass anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good step one. Don't lie about whether or not you went to church. So the whys behind the what's. It was awesome, I must say. Yeah, I um, This week I asked my sisters to watch a segment from Alteration. It's a program through Ascension Press, and their website is ascensionpress.com. And um, through that website, there's access to the resource, just the digital videos for $19.99. And I recommend the whole series. Um, it's geared for youth to better understand the math. But the session that I asked them all to watch for sure was session five, the whys behind the what's, and it goes step by step through mass and explains the significance behind what's happening so that people can go under the surface. Um, often people understand or have seen mass before, and so they know what the parts are, but they don't understand the meaning behind it. So I thought that it would be good for my sisters to uh, see that video because I found it helpful for me as an adult as well. The first time I went back to Mass, part of the comfort, obviously, of the Catholic faith is that it is the same no matter where you go. So I had moved away and come back, and I went to Mass in Massachusetts, and it was said this way, and I meant, like, not enough times to ever, like, have it really register that it was an actual difference. And then I came to Walla Walla, and it's like, okay, it's fine. I can go. I'll just fit right in. Nobody will know that I haven't been going. And I sit down and start doing the, um, I think it's the profession of faith. <laughs> and I know where I this was is like, going. I was like, what fresh hell is this that I don't know the words anymore because they changed it. So I'd be like talking along and I was like, why, why would they change it? Well, they changed it in 2003 to be a more literal translation translation from the ancient Latin because it was too conversational and because they thought that some Catholics were just going through the motions and repeating what they'd said for years without reflecting on the meaning. Spoiler <laughs> alert. They're just going to learn the new thing and keep doing that. Why did you have to change it? <laughs> oh my gosh. The opponent said that it was awkward and people might have to turn to a dictionary for words unfamiliar to them, such as consubstantiation. I'm like, well, that's a stupid reason to not want to change something because we will have to use a dictionary. So I was like, fine, I won't be one of the plebes who is like mad that I have to use a dictionary or relearn something. But I got to tell you, it totally threw me because part of the comfort of going back to the church was that I would be able to fit in without looking like a fraud. <laughs> and then I was like, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you. And everybody else is saying, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. I was like, why? Why are you making me stand out like a sore thumb? <laughs> Did you say 2003 or 13? No, it was 2003. So it took I thought it was more recent than that also. 
Yeah, it took a while to actually change um, because, yeah, it was. It was starting in. It was starting to change under JP two. Oh wow! In ninety nine, and he started warning like it's gonna change. It's gonna change. People are like, yeah, right. It ain't gonna change. It's been this way for like four hundred years. Did you they change the JP two when talking about the Pope? What did you just drop? You? (laughs) They do say JP two. Well, Only if it's gone to mass, though, right? What, right. Amanda? And now you should add a saint to the start of that, too, because he's been canonized. Ooh, Ooh snap. Oh, speaking of, <laughs> that was another thing that I thought was amazing. Okay, so in this, the wise behind the what's, they literally, the session five, they walk through the entire service, starting with how the priest dresses and what they wear, and like the layers of clothing, which I thought was so, so good to talk about all because that's like a huge part of what draws me to Catholicism. I love symbolism. I love ritual. I'm probably secretly a pagan. Who knows? It says like, you can't change the symbol without changing the meaning. How some people wear the like khaki colored robe or whatever, because they think that was closer to what Jesus would wear. But the symbolism is actually supposed to be the white because you've been washed of sin. Like I thought it was really interesting to go through all the different things. Like this is what it means, not just the, even the color changes. So those are my two big things for now, but walked you through genuflecting and why you do that with respect and not just like as a cursory, like bend your knee for half a second and then go sit down. But when he was talking about reverencing the altar and because there is usually a like relic of a saint embedded in it, because when they were first worshiping, they had to do it in secret. And so it took place in the catacombs. And often the altar was an actual coffin of a martyr. I was like, ooh, I love this stuff so much. (laughs) And then, which made me think about, do you guys remember my history thesis was Justinian and Theodora? I didn't remember that. I forgot. Yes. So Justinian... (laughs) 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 I won't go into it, but... The like huge part of like why we revere saints so much is because it made it like more palatable to people who were practicing religions that had multiple deities. So it's interesting that that is still something that has stuck because it's not in a lot of the other religions and not even in other Christian religions. Protestants don't do it for sure, but some Hindus do it through gurus, teachers, and some branches of Buddhism do it, and then some parts of Islam, both Sunni and Shia. So I thought that was really interesting. There's all these things that tie religions together, but also just all the little teeny things about the Catholic Mass that, like, harkens back to the very beginnings. Okay, I'll stop geeking out, and we'll get to your questions. Well, with the saints, um, I think... The Lutheran Church, I have seen them refer to saints, but I don't think that they have the same type of relationship as far as the way that we view saints. But with the Catholic Church, one of the reasons is, or a lot of Protestant churches view the Catholic Church as worshiping the saints, and we don't. We instead, we look at them as mentors and guides, and because they're in heaven, they're still alive and can be powerful intercessors for us, so they can help us. But it's just like uh, when you ask people who are living on earth, to pray for you, then we believe the same is true with saints living in heaven, that we can talk to them and ask for their prayer and intercession. Um, But also just that sense of seeing so many different 
images of holiness to then so that you can connect with different people and see that it's also possible for, for each of us. So then I thought also when it was talking about like the sign of the cross, how it's done differently in different regions of the world, like the open palm that signifies a blessing versus the pinched fingers together that simplifies, signifies the Trinity. That was interesting to me also. We're getting very close to what my biggest revelation was. (laughs) I can tell you're you're so excited. (laughs) Okay. So Amanda, you know how you were saying like, the Lord be with you and how they say that through different times and uh-huh. that it was, you talked about this in the last episode and that's actually why we ended up doing this. Mm-hmm. It's so perfect. <laughs> so he's talking and he says, and then it's really the praying the Kyrie. All of a sudden he says, the actual Greek is Kyrie eleison. And I was like, what? Like the song, Mr. Mister 1985. No, yes, it is. I thought that Kiri was a girl. No. What? <laughs> That's your revelation? <laughs> I thought you were going to come to us with like, I found the missing link of my faith. No, it's a one hit wonder. With a sweet drum and <laughs> it was not a one hit wonder. They had the top song in December and March. Thank you very much. Um, no. Okay. Do you not remember that song? Did you not think it was about a girl? I thought it was the religious thing. You did not. Yeah, <laughs> down the road that I must travel. It's like, God be with you down the road that I must travel. You're such a liar. It said that the religious significance was lost on almost everybody. <laughs> but not me. <laughs> I You're a liar. I would have been fine. Whatever. I'll edit this part out then because I was like, what? And Jared was like, I didn't even know that was the lyrics. No, there was a liar. So Father Mike said before the youth conference, and I can't remember if it was his sister or someone wanted to like legally change their name to Kyrie because of that song. And he's like, that means the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) How did you seriously know that it was a religious song? Yes, because it's Kyrie Lason down the road that I must travel. Kyrie Lason in the darkness of the night. It's like the Lord be with you. I know. I thought he was just taking a girl with him wherever he went. <laughs> I mean, I was seven in all fairness, but. Oh, yeah. Okay. And who watch MTV without their mom knowing. Yeah, I was a little older. Maybe that's why I knew the significance. <laughs> Whatever. I was super excited about that. <laughs> I've been holding it in all week. And I was like, oh my God, you guys. So did you notice in Walla Walla this weekend on Sunday, Sarah, they said Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison? Yes, I noticed. Yeah, I was like, that was her big yes. thing. Okay, so now you know what I feel like this podcast is this week? is like when Chris Harrison and the previews for The Bachelor, it's like this week, the most dramatic. <laughs> and then it's just like, oh, someone else cries. That's what you just did to me. Fine. I'm not here to make friends, Sherry. <laughs> You're here for the right reasons. Okay, fine. Do you want to hear what I liked about it? Yes. <laughs> I got to try to bring this thing back around. Um, okay, so first of all, I either didn't know or had forgotten about the liturgical season being like a symbol of where to put your focus. Um, like the green means grow and 
which that was really helpful. So like right off the bat, I was like, okay, I'm interested. I'm going to see what this guy has to say. So right away, it was helpful. Um, the other thing, the next thing, you know, the dipping your hand in the holy water as a reminder of baptism and as from the very moment when you walk in, you're being invited into the church, just like when you're baptized, you're coming into the church. So that symbol, which <clears throat> I always knew it was a symbol of a reminder of baptism, but just putting it in that way, like it seems like at every point there are places where we're reminded to pause and like either think about our relationship to God in the church or just our worth or just knowing the presence of God. And I liked when he talked about genuflecting and he was like, you know, those people that act like they just tripped before they get in their pew. <laughs> I was like, that's totally what I've done because you don't want to be like down all the way on one knee because then you look like, I don't know, a poser or something, but maybe that's just how I felt because I was a poser for a while. <laughs> but he's saying like, it's humility and it's offering a service and it's a proposal. And so it's like, you're, you know, really should stop. And because the altar is a symbol of Christ, like what Sarah was saying, but then the big kind of lost me at the whole proposal thing. Yeah. That was kind of weird. He's like, you know, when I'm like, you don't know. (laughs) No, he was about to get married. He was going to get married. He was just about to get married. Yeah. Yeah, so you need to watch segment of the 1.2. You didn't do all your homework. (laughs) We were only, we were only required to do segment five. Are you really want to be someone that has just the bare minimum? You're like the nine pieces of flair, aren't you? I did the whole segment five. Um, <laughs> did the, are you, or I was bored too. So she did 1.1 also. Yes. Thank you. Cause that was only five minutes. So I was like, oh, I can knock this one out. <laughs> You're the worst. No, but the, um, the sign of the cross, I never knew again. I feel like I keep saying this, like either I never knew or I forgot was that the sign of the cross is a symbol of your worth in the eyes of God, which I think that that's really powerful. I never, I guess I had totally forgotten that, but that to me is just, you know, both the genuflecting, the reminder of baptism, the sign of the cross. So like before the mass even starts, the previews are legit. You're putting yourself in a humble place. You're saying, you're reminding yourself that you're worthy in the eyes of God before even like the greeting. And then just the Lord be with you. So kind of back to Sarah's uh, curulation. <laughs> How he points out that, that was it, a real revelation. No, it is real. <laughs> How he said that that happens four times in the mass. Um, and it's, you know, to remind you that this is monumental. Um, it's bigger than us. And how he talked about, you know, church is the time to drop the mask, how we all, you know, what we've talked about several times is the feeling like, is everyone just pretending like Sarah said at the beginning, he was saying, you know, drop the mask and stop pretending. This is the opportunity to come before God as yourself. And he reminds you four times during the mass, the Lord be with you. I don't know, just the acknowledgement that like the priests see too, like they know that people come and just perform and go through the motions. And it was a good reminder, like mass isn't for God, it's for us. And he's reminding us of that. I, yeah, I really, I have to say like, this was probably just like, just stop, (laughs) stop being a know-it-all who makes fun of everything and rolls my eyes every five seconds. Like just remembering that it's like, it's like a really serious thing for a lot of people. And that I, um, 
I'm going to jump, but not really. So I am reading All Things Reconsidered by Knox McCoy, which Love. this could be like another book for us to read together. He's talking about how um, reconsidering everything, like, and this is reconsidering heaven, but he was raised as like a Southern Baptist and he was saying, okay, I've never really understood heaven as anything beyond an ethereal reward. Believe me, I'm not saying this with pride. I'm admitting that for me to give myself over to something, I demand understanding. On its own, that sentiment sounds notable and laudable, but it's really about control. I try to control my belief through understanding it. That way I feel more comfortable giving myself over to it. But faith doesn't really work that way, like, at all. Now I think there's room for grace here. It's imperative for us to seek out a better understanding and not rely on ignorance and obliviousness as a sort of avatar for devoutness. But there comes a point when you just can't achieve complete understanding of everything. You reach the edge of your own understanding and you have to give yourself over to not just the mystery of it all, but the insecurity of placing your trust in something else. And that, boom! I feel like I was sitting there getting my hair did and I was like, Oh my gosh. So I guess that's, that's my real revelation this week. Not a dumb song. Like it is all about control for me. Like if I don't know or don't understand something, I don't want to just go into it. I don't just want to jump into something that I'm like, well, what if X, Y, Z happens? Like, I don't like not having that control or not being able to understand all of the things. I like asking a trillion questions and getting to a point where there's an answer to everything. And I, finally realized the other day, like, I think I'm going to have to come to a point where I either recognize and acknowledge that I'm just not going to know everything. And that's why it's called the mystery of faith. I don't know. There's probably, a, what is the actual reason the mystery of faith? Like, that's a whole like saying we do, like, right? What about you, Mandy? Um, well, I mean, just faith is believing in something without fully knowing. Like once you're in heaven, then they talk about faith, hope, and love and how love is the one that remains because you're already able to see and what you hoped for is already realized. So then love is what remains. So yeah, with faith, there has to be a level of you're believing without knowing for sure. And we see that as a gift and we can pray that our faith can be increased, but it's a free gift um, to us. Yeah. And just recognizing that there is that layer of mystery we can't fully understand. I think what you were saying about control though, I think that really resonates with a lot of people. I know with me through my labor experiences, I've learned a lot about myself. And one of the things I've learned was that since where like I lose that sense of being able to control the pain, that's where it really like would push me over the edge. With my third baby, I thought that I knew what to expect and that when it hurt really bad, then it would be time for the baby to be born. And when the doctor said not yet, I kind of like I was calmer than ever. Then when he said not yet, when I thought it was time, I completely lost it. And so then with my couple babies after that, then I realized. You're like, I don't remember anymore because there's too many. <laughs> <laughs> I like that couple babies after. Yeah, like with the like with the other two, I realized that that, you know, is really based on that I do well when I know what, when I think I know what to anticipate, but when it doesn't go as I think things are going to unfold, then it gets unsettling. And I think that all has to do with control as well. And when I was reading a book, like close to my fifth labor, and I was recognizing that I was more anxious than ever before with any of my other kids. I was reading this other woman talking about her labor experience. And I realized that it was the moment of feeling like I lose control is like the hardest, like the most anxiety building part of labor. <laughs> so then trying to approach that just with more trust. And I think 
like with journeys in faith, it is a lot about being able to surrender and trust rather than trying to like grasp onto that control. And I think it's also just so trusting in God, but also like trusting in yourself enough to have that open mind. And this is kind of jumping ahead to the mass that the homily, but I think for me, part of it was, or has been for a long time, like, I didn't trust myself to know like what I really believe because I feel like, you know, in my past when I, you know, went from Catholic to LDS and I felt like, okay, do I even know like what I believe? And so I think that's, you know, now sort of trying to come at it with new eyes and an open mind to really discern, you know, what do I believe and what do I want to have faith in? Because you know, before. And of course that was what, you know, 30 years ago, but still it kind of lingers like, geez, did I just jump on a, you know, join something just to feel that belonging. And I don't want to just do that again because I feel like I want to take it seriously. I think also like um, being okay with the fact that there's going to be different levels. I won't say never, but I don't ever foresee myself being like as hardcore of a Catholic as Amanda is. I just don't. Because there's too many things. I know we had problems with the audio of episode four. And so we're still trying to upload that. But there are a lot of issues around sex and sexuality and um, other things that I might not necessarily agree with the like hardline church's teachings. But like trying to come to a place where like, does that mean that I can't be Catholic at all? Or does that just mean that there's different levels to everything? Like maybe we can be silver level Catholics and Mandy's platinum. (laughs) We get one free night in heaven. She's there for life. (laughs) There was one other thing, because I know we want to talk about the mass too. Um, The other thing that I really appreciated about, is it Father Mike? Yeah. I always want to call him Harry Connick Jr. Doesn't he look like Harry Connick Jr.? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So after receiving Holy Communion, when he talked about to when you go back to the pew and you might be sitting there thinking, like, what am I supposed to be praying or focusing on? And that was I I really listened into that part because that is another thing where I always I remember even as uh, when I was younger, we'd come back from communion. And I remember always looking over at mom and she was like into hardcore. Like her head was down in her hands. Like she was so exhausted. And I knew it was probably like, she was like, this is my five minutes I get to myself because these kids, it's the only time I'm going to have. And I was like, what is she praying? Like, she was just like, do you guys remember that? She was just like, yes. She would and like, if you like, like bumped her or tapped her and interrupted that time, yeah. hell hath yeah. no fury. Yeah. <laughs> She just looked so weary and just like, it's her one time. But I was always like, I couldn't ever focus enough to even, I didn't know what to pray. And so he's talking about after you receive the Holy Communion, your prayer can be much like when Mary first went to Elizabeth and when she first, you know, had Jesus inside of her. And you're also joining your prayer to the prayer of many. And so I still wasn't really clear on what we're supposed to say or what our prayer is supposed to be. But I thought that was, that was a there's not like a specific Mandy. prayer you're supposed to say. You're supposed to like, it's, it's too late in the mass to set your attentions. Like what's, what are we supposed to be doing, Amanda? Yeah. Well, so 
the main thing is you're reflecting on what you've just received, like the great gift of what you've just received. And so when he was talking about Mary's Magnificat, that was kind of the sense of worship or praise. Um, but then it's also Eucharist means Thanksgiving. So you can also, and I think he even talked about that, but, um, but you can even just be grateful for receiving the Eucharist. Um, I like a prayer called the Anima Christi that um, it starts soul of Christ, sanctify me, body of Christ, save me. Um, and it goes on, but I like to say that for the whole thing. You want to hear the whole thing? <laughs> okay. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. <laughs> Wait, I need to say the whole thing because you don't know it. I know. Okay. I knew Sarah was walking you into a trap and I was like, don't do it, Mandy. <laughs> I said every single what day. do you really do at mass all day? <laughs> I said regularly in my head every day i'm just kidding i'm totally teasing i'm totally teasing (laughs) Um, but that was awesome yeah (sighs) no for the power of how god can transform our lives and purify us and then um it's asking to never be separated from god and um praising him forever in heaven so it's just a prayer of kind of the power of god to transform our bishop says a prayer from St. Ignatius called, I don't know how to actually pronounce the word. It's like, I don't know how to say it, but um, it's talking about take Lord, receive my liberty, my being, my entire will. And it's just talking about kind of surrendering to God and fully offering yourself to God to then receiving his love and grace is enough. Um, So there's prayers like that, where if you're not quite sure, what, then you can learn one of those prayers and say that sometimes parishes as a whole, um, like the prayer that our bishop says, he says that out loud. The Anima Christi, I started doing that because my parish in Ontario, when I lived there, they would have everyone say that together. So there's prayers like that, or like the Magnificat, like you mentioned, you can do a prayer like that, or it can just be extemporaneous. And as a mom, then I also sometimes pray, or I pretty much always almost pray the Anima Christi again, but like for my husband and for my kids, um, that they can also be transformed. So those are, but the main thing is just really reflecting on one of the videos, I would have to look to see which one it was, but there was one video in the series that's talking about a wedding and talks about how the highest level of intimacy we can have with God here on earth is through communion. And so just really like the more that you understand the Eucharist and what it means, then it's reflecting on just the importance or significance of what just happened with gratitude, with worship, with praise, but also it can link even to, so like Sherry, when you have the mass journal now and trying to think about the homily and you have your one key point, you could even be thinking like, as you receive the Eucharist, like the grace to help you to make those changes that you feel like you're being called to make, because then the grace of the sacrament of the Eucharist is, um, like that would be key in helping to actually make the changes. So could be anything like that. So asking for a friend, say you have this friend and she technically isn't supposed to even receive communion because she was married before and is divorced and married again, <clears throat> but did never get an annulment. And so you're not really supposed to receive the sacraments if you haven't had an annulment, right? 
Yeah, that's what I've heard. Like that there should be um, an annulment and then getting the current marriage blessed in the church um, in so, order to be in full communion. Yeah. So if that person couldn't receive communion, then you sit there. He didn't really go over that. What are you supposed to be doing? You sit down or you kneel while everyone else is going up to communion. But then what are what do you do then? Do you just pray? I mean, you basically miss like the whole culmination of mass if you're not supposed to take communion. So then what do we do? Yeah, you can still go up for a blessing, which obviously is not the same, but you can go up for a blessing and so typically then you just put your hands over your shoulder like this, like in the, uh, like an X almost over and they can give you a blessing. But a couple things, one thing is it can be the more that you understand and recognize the value of the Eucharist, then there can be a sense of longing during that period, um, recognizing that at this time you can't receive, but having the desire to want to receive and recognizing like for some, they might have hangups with what they think an annulment means or doesn't mean that it might be hard to make that step. And so it might be just a time of intimacy with Jesus to kind of share your heart um, or the heart of the person with what they. <laughs> we all um, know it's me. Yeah. <laughs> to just you know, share, you know, like share your heart with why or like what the struggles are that are around it. And but just thinking about the desire to receive communion. So I think that would be maybe a starting point. But it might also mm -hmm. be a good question to ask your priest as well, because he might have other suggestions about it or other. But that would be kind of what comes to my mind initially is just it's a good time to recognize separation from the Eucharist and the longing to receive the Eucharist. And then often that kind of will link to if you value the Eucharist enough and are longing for it, then it might then impact a desire to resolve whatever obstacles are there for anyone in general, like anyone who's saying I'm not in a state where I can receive communion at this time. Then considering, you know, what are, cause there's always solutions because of God's love and mercy and grace. There's always solutions. If there is, you know, a, a current obstacle to receiving the Eucharist, there's always a solution to resolve that. And so I think once the longing for the Eucharist is strong enough, then people are more motivated to make those changes in order to be able to receive. But in the meantime, probably just prayer, like dialogue with God about that, you know, the whole context and trying to consider like, what's the next step? Probably a, another discussion for another time, yeah. figuring that whole thing out. That's, I guess that part has always been kind of frustrating to me also. I mean, I understand why why priests, why they have different rules about, well, maybe I don't understand why they have different rules about who can receive it. Because it feels like it's, if you're there and you're willing to participate, like, why can't, if it's for everybody, why can't it be for everybody? So on the video, Father Mike did mention briefly, so like he talked about how you need to be in a state of grace and how if you know that you're in a state of mortal sin, then you can't receive the um, communion until you've gone to reconciliation. And so, but technically, Am I in te yeah, technically. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's intense. That is really <laughs> intense. So like I thought murder was a mortal sin. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of there. I mean, so mortal sin is of grave matter oh, that okay. did it with consent. 
and that they knew that it was of grave matter. But I mean, it's just basically there can be things that are lesser that are still considered mortal sin. But again, like venial sin is things that damage your relationship with God. But when we say the confusion at the start of Mass, that I confess to Almighty God and to my brothers and sisters, that that is enough for venial sin. But with mortal sin, then you need to go to reconciliation first um, because it cuts off the relationship with God. And so when people have a sense of, okay, I can't receive communion if this, then and there's that. But in order to go to reconciliation, you're saying that you're like resolving to change. And so if there's something that um, like if somebody isn't married, then they need to be willing to like make the changes in order to go to confession. Because like if someone isn't married and is having sex, then that's of course moral sin. So then if they intend to continue doing that, then you can't can't necessarily go to confession because you're not um, resolving to change that. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. But it's, okay. but it's always just thinking about like what, but again, like I think the important thing to note is that there's always a pathway back. And I guess the sense of when Sarah was saying, why can't everyone just receive? That's the main thing because it's like us offering to God or like demonstrate or I'm um, not demonstrating, but it's the desire to align your life to God's will and to God's teaching and commandments and and so that's where that's part of it. I, and there's probably a better response, but that's what comes to mind right now. Like if you know that you're saying like, okay, I know that this is out of alignment and I'm not willing to change it, then it's kind of choosing that rather than God. And so then that's why you shouldn't receive communion yet. But it's also, so just talk <laughs> like the Father Mike has some good videos on this, but it can be something like that, but it can also be ma missing mass on a Sunday is also a mortal sin because it's a commandment oh, okay. to, to attend mass on a Sunday. So if you don't go to mass just because you just don't want to, or just like any reason other than like that you were sick or your car broke down on the way to mass or something like, then, then that's also a mortal sin. And so in the video, Father Mike talks, um, not the one we watched, but one, a video he has just on Ascension Presents. He talks about how it's not a grave matter like determined by us. It's through the eyes of God. And so that's why a lot of people think like they might have the question of like murder, missing mass on a Sunday, like how moral <laughs> sin. But so he kind of walked through that of how it's something of grave matter and through the eyes of God. Okay. So it's not like murder being married before. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do we want to talk about the mass? So I didn't, I didn't go to both masses <laughs> as we established at the beginning. Uh, but Sarah, what do you think of mass? Um, well, it was interesting. So I was telling Amanda that the first time um, it was, what's the difference between the daily mass and the weekend mass? Why is the daily mass so much shorter? Okay. So with the daily mass often, so right now, um, I think Sherry's church. The mass in general was shorter. I think it's probably because there's not many people there to do communion for. But no, it actually, is there's different things. So with um, with daily mass, they don't have the Gloria at the start of mass. So when um, when I say glory to God in the highest and peace to people, that part is not there. And then that's only on Sundays. We can master solemnities certain days. 
rather than two readings, there's only one reading, the responsorial psalm, and then it jumps right to the gospel rather than having the second reading. Often oh. the priest has a shorter homily during daily mass. And then often daily mass doesn't have singing. I mean, I guess it's a pinch parish to parish, but like at our church, we don't have songs at the different points of mass. But on weekend mass, there's the songs like the entry, the offertory, like oh. because the music then would take longer. But then it is also oh, gotcha. communion would be faster. But those are the main differences. The Gloria, the second reading, and the music, and a shorter homily. So often, daily mass is about a half hour, and a weekend mass is about an hour, often. So the ma- the readings and everything are the same, though. I mean, like, so for both, wherever you're going to mass on Sunday, the readings are the same. It's the fifth, 15th Sunday of Ordinary Time. Yes. Right. Yeah, anything using what's called the Ordo Mass, then it's the same. There's some traditional masses that have a different cycle of readings, but most Catholic churches that use that tradition, then it's the same readings. Okay. What did you say? The what tradition? So Novo Ordus is what we attend. Um, but then there's the new tradition. No. Probably. Um, okay. But the... There's traditional masses that are not common. Like in my diocese, it's not available at all, except I think in one parish, like every once in a while, they have a different cycle. Who does? Of readings. Who has so like traditional masses. Like if it's a traditional Latin mass, the extra- it's called the extraordinary form of the mass. That's a okay. different cycle. Like because they don't necessarily have the exact same liturgical calendar and readings. Sherry, would you like to discuss your mass journal? (laughs) (laughs) Do you have anything you'd like to share with the class? For the listeners, I was holding up my mass journal. This, I was really excited to get my mass journal uh, because, you know, then I can really have a purpose for going to mass. (laughs) You got to have the gear. (laughs) So the mass journal is really, it's free. It's like a four by six little notebook. And the prompt for every week when you go to Mass is, God, show me one way in this Mass I can become a better version of myself this week. That helped me to pay attention because I need to have like a specific, obviously knowing more about the what's and the why's now, um, a lot of it has fallen into place. But you go into Mass asking yourself or asking God, just reveal one thing that I can do to be better this week. I like that straightforward because then, so right after the mass, then I just kind of wrote down what I took away from the mass. And it was because this week's gospel was Matthew 13, um, talking about like, blessed are your eyes because they see, blessed are your ears because they hear. So God can only reveal himself to those who would listen and you want to be like a seed on a fertile soil. And as Father Sia in the Iowa City, uh, St. Patrick's, you know, asking, have I been shallow or distracted? Um, How can you open your mind to receive God? Yes, Um, I have been shallow and distracted. Yes. Yeah. So that really spoke to me because that's exactly what I've been. I mean, I just haven't been willing to really be intentional, um, you know, either when I'm at mass, when I've gone back or just, you know, considering anything else, but like all of the arguments that I had against the church. So that was helpful. And I really feel like I wouldn't have come to it without my mass journal. (laughs) Good. 
Because that has the prompt on the back of the book that you're showing us, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a simple way to, I don't know, for me, because... So does it have the, what does it have on the inside? Just blank pages? Um, every, every, this is supposed to be, it's meant to be used, um, you know, for a year. There's 52. Oh, and then okay. there's notes. But for each year, or for each week, there's just a, um, like a little saying, like, this week it was like, there's 1.2 billion Catholics in the world. And like, every single day in the Catholic Church, you know, we feed, house, and clothe more people. So it's just kind of a, like, fun fact to know and tell. Because I kind of looked at, at Mass, too, like when I turned on the YouTube, and it's different now being, you know, in the pandemic, we're not able to actually go to Mass as much. I mean, you can if you sign up, but I kind of approached Mass like, you know how Shonda rhymes? She always said, like, she wrote her shows, like Scandal and Grey's Anatomy, like she wanted to write a show that was so good that you wouldn't want to be doing other things. Like, you wouldn't be multi-screening, you know, texting and scanning the internet while you're watching the show you just want to be riveted to see what olivia pope was going to do i wanted to watch the mass and see like can i pay attention <laughs> or am i going to be tempted to do other things and after watching the father mike thing and then looking at the mass i just saw it in a different way so he passed the fa- the shonda rhymes test <laughs> <laughs> is it um it's that every seven years it cycles through the bible every seven years every seven liturgical years cycles through the bible for the Sunday readings, there's cycles A, B, and C. And then with daily readings, I think that it's just one and two. So Oh, so the every three years then? Not every seven? It must be. I'm going to look it up. It must be. Narrative <laughs> lectionary is a four-year cycle of Bible readings designed for preaching sermons. Catholic? <laughs> is that right? It doesn't make oh, sense um, with the ABC. Oh, the three-year cycle of Sunday readings and two-year cycle of daily readings do get you through most of the New Testament, but we fall short on the Old Testament. And not just by omitting genealogies. Shocking, Mandy was right. Shut up. <laughs> Mandy, do you ever find it hard to focus, though? Do you ever, like... Well, sometimes, I mean, it de- especially if I'm there with my family, then, like with Lucy, sometimes I just, like, go hide away in the confessional to try to keep her quiet. Like, so then I, <laughs> I'm, like, trying to participate the best I can. But, um, and that's because we don't have a cry room area. But... When it's just me, I can enter in better, but there's, of course, times where I get distracted. But that's where it's helpful to read the readings before. Um, and I've kind of been slipping away from doing that lately, and so it would be good for me to get back into it. Because if I read them before the morning of and think about the readings in the gospel, then even if my mind wanders for a moment, I can still like jump back in and be engaged. And so they talk about how like it's normal for people's minds to wander from time to time, so it's about... Just when you recognize that your mind's wandering to then refocus your attention as many times as you need to. Like after communion. I thought that was interesting. Like another, um, this is kind of off topic, but just talking about how long it takes to get to the Bible. I always thought it was interesting. Like when we go to church, like no, you don't look around and see Catholics with their Bible with them. Like every other Baptist for sure have their Bible with them. But like the Mormons have the Book of Mormon and the Bible or just have the Book of Mormon with them? Just the Book of Mormon. And the Bible. Yeah. Because, like, they are actually, like, actively looking through it. And I feel like we're just following the readings. And I feel like that sometimes maybe makes a more, like, passive ingestion of the Bible. Because I really, like, as an adult, that's one thing that I've been wanting to do is better know the Bible. And maybe if I had, well, not maybe, for sure, if I had better paid attention to the readings, then, I mean, I was even a reader at, at the Mass. Like, I was the first female altar server in Union County. Fun fact. But you didn't but, know Carrie Lason wasn't a girl's name. 
<laughs> we, didn't, we didn't say that in mass at Union. We would always say it in English. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't, I just don't think I'd ever heard it. Like I'd never heard it that way. Well, so you were the first, you were the first altar girl in Union County. Yep. Uh, I'd like to be called a female altar server <laughs> or just altar server. Um, so back to what you were saying about the Bible. I found, because there are resources where you can just buy to then have the daily mass readings and they're just there and read them through. And I used to have those, but what I've been doing lately is to just look in the missal. It just says what the readings are for daily mass. It doesn't list out everything it in the Bible. And I find it in my Bible. Yeah, because then I'm able to see like, physically where am I at in the Bible how does it fit in the context sometimes I am looking to see a little bit like what was right before this what was right after this and so I think that that is very helpful that's what I mean like I feel like I don't I never got like a good like context of like where does everything fit together because it would go I mean it was mostly New Testament obviously but um yeah it would just kind of jump around and you didn't really ever get a good context of how the story all fit together even though the, the homily ties together the readings but yeah, that's where the Bible timeline from the Ascension Bible is great because it gives you that sense of the big picture of salvation history and how old the New Testament fit together. Is that the and, Great Adventure Bible? Yeah. Is that from Ascension Press also? You are like all in with Ascension Press then because I realized as I was watching the priest, the like basketball player priest, the cool guy, I was like, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. oh, I have his book, the Broken and... Oh, Broken and... Yeah. Yeah, so... Did you get a commission from Ascension Press? Right? She's like, oh, <laughs> no. silently slip this in. It's really so just that- an MLM. <laughs> no, but I really... I love the they have some really good podcasts, and they have, uh, like, just quick videos that are called Ascension Presents. Um, each week they have, like, Father Mike's one of them, and then there's different people. And so I... And then I also love their programs for youth, so... Oh, yeah, and I Sherry, recommend them quite not, a bit. You're not the only one who is not going to do your homework. Amanda said she's going to take a pass on Fleabag. That's right. I saw that. So you don't want to see a priest getting down. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I liked your email. There's so much more like, to it than that, though. There's I know. So it's so good. I wish you would, but I understand. I don't. <laughs> I liked your email. You're like, and for Fleabag, I'm going to pass. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't really have the time in my life. And I think, uh, but he doesn't actually look like the hot priest. So I was like, that wasn't the point. The point is it's the best writing and it's such a good story. And uh, why did it have to only be two seasons? I know. Jared's watching it now. It's like I kept talking about it. So good. So, I tried to anyhow. get Kyle to Succession with me, but he couldn't get into it. He's like, I don't like it when what? like everybody has bad intentions. I love Succession. I know, so me much. too. Anyway, okay. So what are we doing next? So, I guess is that the end of your questions, Amanda? What do you want us to do next? She's like, I have so many questions for you too, but I don't even know where to start. <laughs> no. Um. So I had a couple of ideas of where we could go next. Um. So one is that. Formed in all of our parish. Well, actually, I forgot to double check Sherry's, but I'm pretty sure that your parish would have something called Formed, and it's something that then you um, are able to. Is that log the adult in religious ed. What? Is that the adult religious ed? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it is faith formation. It's for all different age levels, but so it's so like, if you liked alteration, there's specific programs that I think would be good. So one, so the Augustine Institute is one that I think does good ones. Like if you want to know more about just the Catholic faith and beliefs, then there's a program called Symbolon that's good. But I also really liked one called Reborn that then talks about the significance of baptism. And it also talks about the sense of belonging, which I think um, since Sherry has mentioned that quite a bit, that I think that one might be good. Or there's one called Forgiven, which then talks about uh, reconciliation, which would be good just to like, get the better sense of like why, since that was kind of a point that both of you were kind of thinking like that you don't necessarily see why that would be a good thing at this point. So those are some options and they're free. Another option would be if you're like with the Bible and looking at the gospels, there's a pro, um, I think the book was called the life of Christ and it's uh, Lexio Divina and uh, also has something called Visio Divina where you're like looking at sacred art and kind of meditate, but just different, it kind of walks through different gospels showing the life of Jesus. And um, so that would be like a way if, and Sherry had mentioned, I think, that she wanted to, or she liked Matthew Carroll Kelly's suggestion of starting with the Gospels. And so that would be something longer, though, where, like, it's kind of a journal to, like, walk you through different Bible passages in the New Testament and kind of reflect on them. So those are a couple routes we could go, or a few, because, like, if you want to know just the faith in general, if you want to know about specific sacraments, if you want to do... The Bible one that the Bible one might be like just interspersed with other things throughout or and I guess part of it's just where are you two at? What are you wanting to know next? Because then there's also like if you're wanting to know more about the like social teachings or the areas uh, where there's clashes with sexuality, then I have recommendations for better understanding those. I think it's good to I so with the episode that didn't um, end up being to be published yet based on the editing stuff. I had kind of mentioned how rules without relationship equals rebellion. And I think that it might be good first to better understand or alongside to better understand God and the kind of what he invites you to and your sense of belonging through God, that it might be better to understand the faith better first to then be able to see like how those other areas of tension fit within that bigger picture. So I don't know, where do you two feel like you're at? What do you feel like you need most right now? Or what are you most, like, what are your burning questions? I think, um, yeah, maybe, like, trying to figure out more about, like, the clashes and the questions. Because um, I feel like I, every time I watch, like, I, it's, like, the same reason, like, I love me a good marching band or a drum line. Like, I like, <laughs> I like ritual. I like order. So, like, I'm always going to think it's fascinating to, like, learn more about the symbolism behind different rituals and stuff. And I will always feel comfortable in a mass, whether or not I feel like I'm pretending because I like the ritual. So I think I would like to, at this point, like dig a little bit deeper into a pain point to see how it matches up. And Sherry, or kind of, will ever. Sherry was kind of shaking her head no. When I know. Part, so it might be where you kind of no, were in different I was, places. Um, I was thinking the shaking my head no was... Um, I was thinking like, okay, I'm just finally understanding, like going back to the basics. So I didn't know if I was ready to hop back into clashes and questions. But now when Sarah talks about it, it makes sense. But I also like the reborn baptism and belonging thing too. I'd be happy with that for a second, second step. I do like I, um, as much as I was like, whatever, I'll watch the video. Okay. It was very helpful. 
like to like step back and like, I like it's definitely a defense mechanism for me to like make fun of or make a joke of or laugh about something that is uncomfortable to me. And it is really uncomfortable. Like, I think anytime they talk about like heaven or hell, I'm like, but what if I don't believe in that? And I like recognize like dying and death are terrifying to me because I don't understand that. And they've been terrifying to me like my whole life. There was a lot of times I was afraid to fall asleep when I was little. Like I remember crying myself to sleep and spoiler alert, the now I lay me down to sleep prayer, not so helpful <laughs> if I should die before I wake. Like I don't want to die before I wake up. And then mom be like, well, let's think of something different. I'm like, yes, please. Let's sing Rock the Cradle 10 years later if we stop talking about dying in your sleep. So well, let's sing the one about where you fall from. Yeah. Sir, one book that you might eventually like, I don't know if it would be a good fit yet, but there's a book by Father John Burns called Lift Up Your Heart. And it um, and part of it is going through different meditations, but some of them are talking about the last things. And it kind of walks through like heaven, hell and just kind of in it. Um, the book that you were reading an excerpt from earlier today, like it reminds yeah. me a little bit as far as he talks about heaven wasn't All appealing to be considered him. by Knox McCoy, buy yourself a copy on Amazon or your favorite bookseller today. Love it. We yeah, have to one. discuss that. So, but he just, yeah, but he, father John Burns was talking about how heaven wasn't appealing to him when he was younger, just based on the images that he had from popular culture, like all goes does go to heaven with like the clouds and different things. And that wasn't appealing. And so then it was better understanding, like, what is it actually? And, um, so, I mean, that might give you some sense of peace, but it's also, I don't know, or just like at least a better sense of what does the church teach? But then it also walks through what hell is, and then that can feel kind of terrifying too. <laughs> can But can we also, so we can do the baptism thing also, but I really, I I think we should read this together and discuss it. It's, yes. it's really good. He's really smart. It's not all just about um, religion. It's just like, questioning everything about like what you know like I think it would be great for our like the overarching theme of our like honestly I feel like it was every chapter has spoken to me and it is hilarious part of it is like he's he's not just a funny writer like he's so smart so he really talks about a lot of different things but just how you change your mind and how it's okay to change your mind yeah well I think I would enjoy it just because I like thinking about construction of beliefs over time in that that, and that's exactly so, you would yeah, love it. It is. So I'm already like I've only read it for two evenings, and I'm already on almost like one page one sixty. It's only two hundred forty pages. So his first book, you would probably also like the Wondering Years, and it was all um, about like his faith formation, how pop I culture think I've helped heard me, about how pop culture helped me answer life's biggest questions. Probably because I talked about it because I'm obsessed with the podcast. We can do both. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for listening, everybody.